Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. Two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. This is episode number 119. I'm Felipe Leon from Southern California slash Tijuana. And with us from the Bay Area in Northern California is Ms. Lupe Gutierrez. Lupe, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing really good. Hi, everybody. Hi, David. Hi. Good, good. And in the Inland Empire, originally from East L.A., is Mr. David Avila. David, how you doing? Very good, Felipe. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you. Uh, well, I mean, we're on the show. I don't know if, uh, Lupe, you have it on speaker. It's not going to work because we're getting the echo. Um, are you getting an echo right now? Yeah, we're yeah. getting an echo. Um, okay. But, you know, we're all friends here, but there's a big-time rivalry going on. Lupe's up in the Bay Area. She's a San Francisco Giants fan, and obviously Mr. Okay. David Avila, long time. Dodger fan. My Padres are out long time ago, so tonight is deciding who goes on in the baseball playoffs. But here we are here to speak about female boxing, and we do have a great a great guest tonight. It won't be the first time or the last time she's with us, but it's going to be Miss Mikaela Mayer, the current WBO 130-pound champion. She is, in fact, scheduled in a unification fight against Maiva Hamadouche um, in November, actually November 5th from Las Vegas, Nevada. So she's going to be talking to us about that. She's going to talk to us about her last fight, which was against another former champion, Erika La Pantera Farias from Argentina and everything in between for Ms. Micaela Mayer. She's going to be calling in about 15 minutes. So before she does that, we're going to go to a little bit of fight results. There wasn't that many in the last couple of weeks. It kind of slowed down for a little bit, but it's going to pick up in the next couple of weeks. Um, Fabiana Bitiki on October 2nd, who was the Adam Weight champion, has moved up. Well, in this last fight, it was a six-rounder at, at flyweight at 112 pounds. I don't suspect her going from 102 to 112. I think she's going to settle like 105 or 108. It hasn't become official, but I think she posted on her social media even before this fight that she was going to leave her title vacant, the WBC title, but it hasn't been made official by the WBC. But the scores in a in a, in a six-rounder, it was a majority decision for Bitiki in the Czech Republic, her home country, against Farah El Buzari. The scores were 59-56, 58-57, and 58-58. So, but, I mean, obviously there's no footage of this fight being that it was off TV and in the Eastern Bloc of Europe. But it seems pretty interesting that one judge saw it even in her home country, um, and the other judge saw it 58-57, which is the only difference in one point, and then one of the other judge saw it 59-56. So by looking at the scores, it was a pretty close fight. And if you've been following boxing in general for a while, when you see scores like this in one of the fighters' home, um, a little bit of home cooking, don't you, David? Yeah, yeah, because they're going to be partial, but that means that other – Fighter, uh, the visiting fighter, fought very, very well. Mm-hmm. And the other, go ahead, David. 
Oh, I think it was Loopy. Oh, no. sorry, Loopy. Yeah. Okay. You probably Okay. So then our next fight on the fight results Saturday, October ninth from Liverpool on the zone. Shannon Courtney, who lost her WBA Bantamweight title on the scales, she came um, she came uh, uh, to the scales two and a half pounds heavy. They gave her two hours to drop the weight. She was not able to lose the weight, so the title was only available for American Jamie Mitchell from Northern California, and Jamie Mitchell ended up pulling the win with the majority decision. Scores were 97-93, 96-94, and 95-95. Shannon Courtney actually when uh, and we could talk about Mikael Michaela about this because Michaela you know she doesn't she goes pretty hard and pretty uh, frank and truthful in um, in uh, on her social media and she actually critiqued Shannon Courtney for the reason that she gave for not making the weight I'm trying to find uh, give me one second oh here it is so this is the reason Shannon Courtney gave why she was not able to give uh, make the weight on um, on her fight. And I quote, thank you to every, this is from a social media quote. Thank you to everyone that's been messaging to check on me and send me love. We had no weight issues during camp and all week I've been in a really good place and ready. We was on weight and ready to go yesterday. And then last night, unexpectedly, my menstrual cycle started, which for obvious reasons makes women gain weight. To say I'm devastated is an understatement because this has never happened before. I'm always professional, but this was physically out of my control. It's happened, and I can't change it. But what I can do is go out there tomorrow night, with this was before the fight, get the win, and get my belt back straight after. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm switching off now. I have a fight to get ready for. Obviously, this did not happen. Jamie Mitchell was able to pull off the win with the majority decision. Scores were 97-93, 96-94, and 95-95. I actually scored it. Uh, let me see here. I scored it 97-93 for Mitchell. So I think that 95-95 uh, was pretty uh, was pretty generous for Courtney, in my opinion. And we've touched on the subject of the mental cycle, something very uh particular to female boxing obviously female females are the only ones on the planet that do have the menstrual cycle men don't obviously and we touched on it we've seen it before when brenda flores out of tijuana didn't make weight for her fight against luisa uh bang bang Harden from from australia and the and the wbc actually allowed her to still fight for the title even though she was overweight the WBC mentioned that according to their rules, which I've never seen, I've never seen that rule on their website or anywhere on a, on a fight contract by the WBC for a world title. I've been in WBC world title um, um, uh, meetings, you know, when they have the meeting after the weigh-in. I've been those when they read the, the, the rules and everything, and I've never seen the rule. We actually spoke to, at that time, we had Franchon Cruz Desern on the uh, on the show a couple of days later, and she said that she had never seen the rule. We've asked other women that have fought for the WBC, and they have never seen the rule. But the WBC, to justify the fact that they let Brenda Flores fight uh, Bang Bang Lulu uh, on an undercard of a, of a Tom Loeffler card of Boxing 360 in L.A. for the title, was that they did allow a pound of fluid retention because of the menstrual cycle. Um, 
but we've never seen the role. Nobody's ever seen the role. I think they just pulled it out of their 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 uh, sleeve for that fight, just so that the <laughs> title fight wouldn't fall out. And here we have Shannon Courtney uh, not making weight. Mika Michaela. Hey, Felipe. Yeah. But she didn't take that offer to lose the weight, right? Didn't she get a couple hours and she refused it? No, I, I mean, I, they were giving her the two hours and she went away and then came back and she wasn't able to make the weight. It's not known if she actually went and tried to make the weight, but one of the critiques that Miss Mayer made on social media is that how can she show up to the actual weigh-in the, the first time that she weighed in with her hair made, with her makeup made up and everything, and Mayer stated, and we could ask her when we get her on the phone, um, that that if it would have been her, she wouldn't have been worrying about her makeup or her hair. She would have been out there to the last minute trying to make that weight. I mean, you're losing a world yeah. title here, you know. Mm-hmm. So, David, uh, first your thoughts on the actual fight and the action that we saw inside the ring, and then your thoughts, if any, on the actual uh, missing of the weight. Um, well, the, the fight itself was pretty good. I thought that Mitchell, uh, she showed me a lot more because I had never really seen her. Um, you might want to talk to Luby about that. She's seen her fight. But uh, I was uh, a little surprised that she fought so well. She fought pretty well, and she made quick adjustments. At first, uh, she came in punching, and then she started boxing and moving, and that didn't work very well that second round and allowed uh, Shannon Courtney to come, get back into the fight. But then uh, she realized that uh, she could outwork Shannon Courtney, and that's what she did. Uh, regarding the weight, uh, yeah, I'm kind of puzzled. I mean, I'm not sure if she tried to lose weight or not. Maybe she just figured out she didn't want to risk uh, being weakened by trying to lose weight. Lupi, what can you tell us about Mitchell? We know that you guys have had some uh, uh, some history with her in the with the beautiful brawlers. She's up from, uh, yeah. I think, Northern California. Tell us about her. Yeah, she worked um, with my sister for a while, and she was on the show, and she came to sparring camps. And, she, you know, Jamie always had beautiful footwork, beautiful head movement, and she looked beautiful. I, it, she had a hard time transitioning that to the competitive ring, you know, and then she'd kind of freeze up. So it was great to see her go out there and really get out there and get after it. Um, you know, I think Shannon, maybe with uh, what happened at the weigh-ins, that might have really defeated her in a way, I mean, she might have uh, thought she was taking Jamie a little lightly, but that had to have done something to her mentally and to Jamie because Shannon, I mean, Jamie beat her outright. Yeah, I don't think that the fight was as close as, I don't think the fight was as close as it, uh, as it was shown on the cards. I mean, I mean, 96-94, you could go with that one more round for Shannon Courtney. The 95-95 to me was, you know, not feasible. David, I think you also gave Courtney three rounds uh, after the fight. Yeah. We, we kind of chatted a little bit. Well, about Jamie Mitchell and her style, I mean, I was pretty impressed. I think that she was very composed for only having six professional fights and fighting in the backyard of, you know, the world champion to a certain extent. I mean, once Courtney didn't make weight and she stepped into that ring, she wasn't the world champion anymore, but she was you know, the world champion doesn't speak a lot about the level of that title when Courtney fought, you know, Ebony Bridges. No offense to either one of them, but I don't think they're at a level, at a world championship level, you know. I think there's other Bantamweights out there that 
you know, we're more deserving or are actually the world champions. And, you know, with this fight, and we spoke about it before, there was a lot of critique of why two female fighters with less than 10 fights were actually fighting for a vacant world title between Ebony Bridges and Shani Corny. Very entertaining fight when they fought for mm-hmm. the title. But there were other fighters that were possibly more deserving in the rankings. But being that Eddie Hearn is a very powerful promoter and the zone it's, you know, one of the top boxing platforms out there, you know, sometimes you you get what you want. But Jamie Mitchell uh, showed me that she's a she's a I mean, I don't know if she's at the level of the other world champions right now just because of the experience and but she showed me at least that, you know, she was able to stay composed, she was able to adjust like David mentioned you know, when she needed to and when her corner asked her to. And, um, and, and you know, I'm excited to see her against, you know, in a rematch against Shannon Courtney, why not Ebony Bridges, Rachel Ball, who's also on the mix there. Maybe not yet against the world, the other world champions in 118, like Julian Luna, the Mexican that beat um, uh, Mariana Juarez. I mean, I think that she's a little bit more skilled and, and – uh, and, and, and more experience, but if we if we have her face, um, you know the other fighters at that level and have her defend the title a couple times, and, and you know maybe even in England, um, why not? You know, what do you think about that, David? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think uh, it was entertaining, and that's the name of the game. You know, it, it would be different if they were very boring, but they, you know, entertainment's. Uh, one of those things that it's not hard to measure, and if you're entertained by it, great. Uh, I agree, too, that, you know, yeah. they may not be in the same level as Julian, Luna, and the others. Like, uh, I'd like to see them against maybe somebody like Melissa uh, Odessa Parker. That might be a good Melissa fight. O- she called her out. Melissa Odessa mm-hmm. called Jamie out not too long ago. Yeah, but... But, I mean, let's be quite frank. Odessa, every weekend, Odessa Parker is calling any female that's yeah. on TV and wins, she's calling her out. So, I mean, and it's it's a valid, it's a valid you know, challenge. But just before we bring on Miss Mayer, who's on the line right now, um, very quickly, WBA Jamie, Jamie Mitchell, she just won the title. WBC is Julian Luna. And the interim champion for the WBC is Jessica Gonzalez, who just won that title out in, like, Russia, I think it was, right? Um, IBF. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is Maria Cecilia Roman from Argentina, 15 and 4, one draw, zero knockouts, I think one no contest. And then the WBO is Dina Torsland from Denmark, who is undefeated, 16 and 0, with six knockouts. She's going to be defending that title against Sulina Munoz, another very experienced Mexican that could also get in the mix there. So, with uh, no further ado, on the phone with us is our prior guest and the current WBO Super Featherweight Champion, who is in line to unify her title against the IBF champion from France, Maiva Hamadouz, and I don't want to butcher her name, so I wrote it down phonetically, because I know how to spell it. It's Michaela Mayer. Michaela, how you Hi, doing? Hi, guys. I'm doing well. Just uh, just in bed, getting ready for another day of work tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to be here with us on the two-minute round. We won't take too much of your time. You said you're in bed. You're probably ready to go to sleep, so with that uh, with that said, let me pass you on to Mr. David Avila. David, go right ahead. Hi, Michaela. How are you doing today? Hey, David. I'm doing well. I'm back in Colorado Springs now, just finishing up the last few weeks of camp. Is it snowing there? No, not yet. It's just now starting to get a little chilly, but nope, no snow. 
Oh, good, good. So you're yeah. able to run in the mornings. <laughs> yeah, it was so, a little so, cold, but running outside, yeah. So, so Michaela, how many years have you been boxing total now, uh, including your amateurs? Oh, I had my first boxing fight when I was 18, so math, math, 13 years. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was trying to figure out when I first met you, and I know it was about 12 years ago, so I guess you were just starting when I first saw you <laughs> yeah. in the boxing ring. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking about that today, like looking back at thinking about some of my amateur tournaments coming up, and wow, it's been a long, been a long journey. Yeah, sure has. (laughs) What's been the biggest surprise for you that you've discovered in boxing? The biggest surprise? Yeah. Um, like training wise, or like, like, what do you mean? Well, I mean, just as a sport, is there anything that surprised you? Not that you know, you're you're a world champion. You've been in ball for this many years. is there anything that surprised you about the sport? Nothing was really could have surprised me because there, I didn't know what to expect, you know, and I've always said this, there was no path for me to follow. There was no blueprint on how to become an Olympian or, you know, a world champion, professional world champion. Like we weren't even allowed to compete in the Olympics when I first started boxing. So all I had was a passion and a drive and I knew that I wanted to be a great fighter, and that's it. So I didn't really have a ton of expectations. I just sort of had to make my way as I as I went along, you know. But for somebody else that that you know that maybe is following your in your footsteps, what kind of advice would you give them? Oh, the most important thing, like, everyone always asks me that. They're like, what, do you, what advice do you have for me? I'm just starting out. Like, do you think I can um, make it? I'm this age. I've had this many fights, whatever, details about where they are um, in their boxing career. But, and the only advice I can ever give them is got to find a good coach. <laughs> like, that is very, very difficult. And I always say, that, like, I don't really think I'd be where I am. You know, I did start somewhat late, and I don't think I would have been able to play catch-up and get to where I am today if I didn't have um, – if I wasn't being trained under someone like Al Mitchell. And so um, that's just so important because you need that. Um, and it's not easy to find. So that and just keep showing up every day. Just keep showing up. Um, it gets tough, and you've got to keep showing up and make sure you surround yourself with a good team. That's one thing I noticed about you, Michaela, is that you're you are always relentless in your training. That you would show up in different gyms to spar and train, and it seemed like you you never missed a day. That you would be there in time, waiting for sparring partners. Uh, is is that also key to to becoming a world champion? Yeah, you you gotta find your way. You gotta. Uh, I had O'Shea here, O'Shea Jones. She just won the bronze medal and um. Tokyo and she she came here to, to train with me and see what's and we were talking about my career and where I am and she's like man you just had everything together right now things are just working out for you I'm like yeah but O'Shea I had to make that happen like it wasn't always um I didn't always have like all my ducks in a row you know and as you're coming up you have to you may not have like the best trainer and I may not have the best um living situation maybe you got to make a move maybe you got to 
um, find new coaches or a new gym to train at and move states. I mean, I did it all to try to get to where I am now and have the stability that I have now with my team and my training and where I live and all of that. So you've got to have a hustler's mindset and go out and make sure you put yourself in the best position possible. No excuses. No, oh, but I want to be home with my family. Oh, but I want to be home with my friends. Oh, but I don't have money for that. You find the money. You hustle. You work. I was working, training, and going to school for years. And, yeah, that's part of it. That's definitely what it, what it takes. Yeah, that, that's fascinating because it, it, some people just think that it's just handed to you if you've got the ability that that's all it takes. But it, it really is a I, dedication. And, and sometimes as a male, it's a little bit easier because it's a little bit trickier as a female because if a man has some skill and people see it, a coach sees it, they want to put their time into them, right? Because they, they see dollars on their investment. Um, there's something they can get something in return for it. But for women, there's not a lot uh, that a coach or, you know, a manager or someone can get from a female boxer. So uh, it makes it a little bit more difficult. You know, guy can go win one, one national title and have offers to turn pro. And here we are seeing women coming out of the Olympics but still don't don't have – you know, promoters knocking on their door. So it's definitely an extra hustle as a female. Once you retire from boxing, would you ever consider being like a manager or a promoter or somebody uh, in the boxing world to, to advise uh, future women? Yeah, I would. And I've talked about that with George because obviously, you know, he was on the this call, this uh, show with us last time I was on. And it's obvious I've been very clear that I've learned so much from him and he helps guide me all the past years we've been together through all of our deals that we've done and make sure I'm knowledgeable. And so, yeah, eventually I would like to give back and sort of, I don't want to be a coach. I never want to be a coach because that is just the most tedious. You have to be so patient. I can never do it. I mean, it's a great, it's a very wonderful job, but I can never fucking do it. Sorry. Can I cuss on here? I just cuss. Um, but, yeah, maybe management and guiding people through, like, the business aspect of this career, you know, I think I would be good at that. And you recently even uh, uh, turned to communications and doing a job as a commentator. How How, is that, how did that feel doing that? That's something you – Yeah, fun. You know, that's always something I wanted to cross over into eventually. Like, I saw myself doing that, and the opportunity presented itself a lot sooner than I expected. You know, I'm still – I'm a world champion in the height of my career, but um, obviously I don't want to pass that up. And it's, I, it is a hard job. I am telling you, it's super fun and I really enjoyed it, but like major props to Christina Poncher and everyone who goes up there and, and, and does that job because it is definitely a challenge. You know, there's a lot of studying, a lot of, um, a lot of like being able to call things on the fly. You know, I'm used to studying tape and with coach Al, but like, we have time to sit there together and talk about it and watch it over and over again. Like here, you're sitting right in front of the ring, really close, and you have to be able to explain, you know, what's going on and not, and sometimes I caught myself being like a little bit too critical or, um, you know, maybe saying what I, maybe acting more like a coach because that's like the coach out in me. And so you really <laughs> just aware the role of, you know, how to say certain things as a commentator. It's just different from being in the gym or being coached. Oh, you did a good job. You did really well. (laughs) So, uh, Michaela, thank you very much. I'm going to pass you on to Lupi. 
Okay. Hey, Michaela. Hi. Hi. You know, I love listening to you speak. Like, I'm just listening to you. I mean, you're just straight out. Your work ethic is, and your knowledge of your sport, it's just beautiful. You're a great role model for all the girls coming up under you. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you so much. Michaela, why did you take down the video where you fell trying to catch the football? How many of you listening know what I'm talking about? And Michaela, can you... I didn't take it down. I never posted it. I my my boyfriend posted it because he made the video. It's still on his Instagram. If you go look at Marquette Kings, um, uh-huh. and then someone made it into a TikTok. Jamel Jamel posted it on his Instagram, but it was just the ending of me <laughs> falling and catching the football. There's like a whole video leading up to that. Um, Can you explain my real quick just so people get get the picture in their head if they haven't seen it? Oh, my God. Well, we were camping. It was after my last fight. Um, my, my boyfriend's Mark Kinks, Kinks. He was the punter for the Raiders for, like, seven years. And so we're always messing around with each other about, you know, boxing versus kicking a ball. And so <laughs> I'm sitting there pretty much mocking him. Like, all he has to do is kick a ball for $10 million or whatever. And here I have to – I'm fighting. I have to go my, – excuse my friends. I'm over here fighting bitches for pennies compared to what you make. And all I have to do is <laughs> kick a ball – that's basically how it started, and he kicked the ball. In a I tried to run after boots. it. I tried <laughs> to run after it in my bikini and hiking boots, and <laughs> landed face first on the rocks. So, yeah, that was a hit. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go look at his Instagram because that yeah, was just look too great. Instagram, you'll see the whole video. <laughs> <laughs> Good so, you know, thanks for coming on. I know you're already in bed, so um, let's see. Okay, you know, when the fight between Terry Harper and Alicia Bumgarner was announced, I thought, you know, oh, they're handing Terry a win. And then uh, David, my co-host, he reminded me that Terry's coming off that serious hand injury. My question to you, I mean, and Alicia also coming off an injury. Do you think that Terry's broken hand evens out the playing field for Alicia Bumgarner? Well, um, the broken hand, I mean, the time off. Now, I've always said, like, that, Terry Harper wasn't necessarily on the level to be able to bend her belt against people like me quite yet because she wasn't, didn't have the experience. I think Eddie got did a good job as a promoter, whatever. He got her the world title fight, but I just didn't think she had enough experience. She showed it in fights with like Natasha Jonas and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, because she's had an entire year off and coming off an injury, she hasn't really had the, that chance to continue growing um, you know, I'm sure she has in some ways, but yeah, so I do think it's a good fight. I think it does even out the playing field a little bit for a bomb gardener. Um, you know, Carrie Harper is still not that experienced. She hasn't gone up against as that many styles, you know, and, and like I did in the amateurs with so many fights, she doesn't have that experience. So, uh, you never know. Bomb gardener is probably going to take it to her and we'll, we'll see how Terry Harper handles it. I was confused as to why Choi, she's not fighting Choi, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little bummed out because I thought I could fight Hamadouche, she can go and fight Choi, and I'd mm-hmm. have one more fight at 1.30 to be undisputed, and I could move on, but now nah, that doesn't seem like the case, so. Um, I, I think we thought that fight. was going to be the case. Yeah. Okay, so, but, so now that you talked about Terry, and again, I'd love it how you just so straight out. Um, can you give us your thoughts um, on Maeva Hamadouche? Just whatever comes to your mind, what you think of her fighting. Yeah, Maeva Hamadouche, I mean, 
her record speaks for herself. What, 21-17 knockouts, one loss. Her only loss against Delphi and Persoon. Um, and she's an, she's an aggressive style fighter. I mean, she's just come straight at you. So the on the plus side, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward style and pretty easy style to train for, right? So, like, we know exactly what she's going to do. There's really no, like, suspense. Like, oh, what if she pulls this? Let's have the A, C, and C game plan. Like, she does one thing, she does it well. But um, we're able, to, because we know that, we're able to train for that style. Um, she's really aggressive. It's going to be a conditioning fight. But, you know, she also is a little bit careless coming in. She de- definitely runs into a lot of shots. And I think that a lot of her stoppages uh, are from her overwhelming um, these girls who just maybe haven't been able to handle that type of pressure. And um, I don't, I'm not the case. You know, I have a great coach and we have a great game plan and we're training for that style. So, I just don't see her running through me. I see, I see her running into some big shots. Yeah, the, we can't wait for that. Hyunmin Choi. <laughs> now that we know that she exists, and you got to see her fight, I think a couple of times. What do you think? Um, I saw her fight one time. I I keep saying that I think that her and Harper are going to be uh, another evenly matched fight because. Um, what I saw from Choi, and I haven't said her too much, um, is she she definitely lets her hands go. And so they're both kind of like similar height. You know, they're going to want to box. They let their hands go. So I think it's going to be a lot of exchanges. Um, they both don't really know how to fight on the inside, so it might get a little tangled up, but their hands are going to go, and um, we'll see. I was looking forward to seeing that fight. I don't know. At the end of the day, like, as much as the beef as, I, as I've had with Terry Harper – I'm rooting for her. Like, I want her to win. I think I'm not a fan of Alicia Baumgartner. She definitely read me the wrong way. But I am rooting for Harper because I want her to, I want her to beat Baumgartner. I want to beat Hamadouche. And I want us to have that, the fight that the fans want to see. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And you know what? Kit, what about Tierra Brown? Does she get anywhere in this mix? No. She does not get anywhere in this mix. Tierra Brown, to me, She's, people think that she's tough and strong. I mean, against someone like me, she would never be. She's too slow, too flat-footed. She was my easiest fight in Olympic trials in 2016. And I know that damaged her, and I know that was four years ago, but I've just advanced so much since then. Like, I just don't ever see her catching up to me. You know, I'm I'm going for undisputed, and then I'm moving up to 35. I'm not sticking around at 130, so maybe she can um, take my place when I'm done. But I don't see her in the mix now, no. All right, thanks, straight out. And I, I, one last thing, because I don't want to keep you too, too longer, but my sister and I, we were talking about how your dad used to stick up for you a lot on social media, and then he stopped. So how's your dad doing? <laughs> Did he on Twitter? Or yeah. On Instagram? Yeah. yeah, on Twitter, I think. I think he was somewhere. Yeah. My, my sister was like, he was always around, always sticking up for him, and then he stopped. I don't know. I guess, yeah, I guess I forgot about that. But, um, no, he's doing great. He's uh, doing the van life. So he travels around in his converted van with his girlfriend and they're both contractors and builders and they just go around building things for people living the hippie life. I mean, he's, he's loving life. He's doing great. He just came to my house for, um, about a month and helped me do some, do some things around my house. So we got some time together and he'll be at the next fight for sure. No, that's great. Well, shoot, he's around a van, your box. I mean, I can see where you get it. Free spirit. Well, you know, I come from a whole little family of hippies, so they all pretty much live in vans and just travel. (laughs) (laughs) 
Not bad. Michaela, yeah, it's no. always good talking to you. Always. So take Thank care. Thank you. Honey. Thanks for having me, you guys. Please I'm going to go. Yes, thank you, Lupi. I'm gonna go really fast, Michaela, because I know that uh, that you're already in bed. Yeah, you gotta get go to work with Mister Mister Al uh, Al. Um, first of all, I want to apologize. I always butcher your name because I want to say it in Spanish because I speak Spanish, so I read it, and when I read, it, I, I read it in Spanish. But Michaela, Michaela, right? Um, yeah, or Michaela. Spanish. All right. So see, Michaela. you're giving you're giving me permission because David, uh, before we started the show, he he. He, told, he scolded me and said, no, it's not in Spanish, but you're giving me permission to say it in Spanish. Yeah, go that ahead. That makes it easier. Yeah. Um, first, re- fairly quickly, um, I know that you've spoken to us about um, your life prior to boxing, and, and part of that was you being a bass player in a heavy metal band. What what was harder? Because I, I play, I dabble a, a little bit as well. So what was harder, to learn how to play the bass or to learn how to box? Oh God, box! It's still, I still haven't completely. I mean, it's still hard. You never stop learning in boxing, right? You always want to keep getting better. So, um, also, it doesn't take, take much endurance to slap around on the base, but going ten rounds takes a lot more effort. So, That's definitely true. fighting. And my old guitar player for when I was in my band days, she actually is the like lead guitar player for Alice Cooper. Totally killing it. Like one of the best wow. guitar players in the world. She is walking me out to my next fight in Vegas on the fifth. She's gonna be playing the guitar, walking you out, or just walking you out? Yeah. Oh no, she's gonna be ripping the guitar all the while we walk. Oh out. wow, that's gonna be yeah. awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. See, so, you, you could kind of handicap it when you play bass if you drink a little bit before, then it gets a little bit harder. So, um, <laughs> so you kind of could handicap no, it. It's definitely skill. I gotta take it back up again. I gotta, I gotta do that. I have it in years. Now, you mentioned long journey, and you touched the, the subject with David. Um, you know, they were amateurs, and then you're at 130. Your plan was to have them go against Madouche and then go against Harper. Now you know it's going to be a little bit um, a little bit more prolonged as far as your as your stay at 130. You just mentioned you're looking to move up to 135 once you unify um, all mm-hmm. the titles. And then, obviously, with your, with your height, and your skill, it's very easy for you to go to 140, 147. So do you ever think how much more there is in your journey, and do you like feel like, do I really want to do all that? I'm getting a little bit tired. Does those ever go um, through your mind? Um, no, well, in a sense. So I guess I think about um, I want, I still feel like I'm, I haven't hit my full potential. Like I still don't feel like the world has seen the best version of me. So I'm still hungry. I still have, I still want to go on this dispute at 30. I want to love to go to 35, challenge Katie Taylor before she's done. And yeah, you're right. 140. I don't know about 47. We'll see how, you know, thick I get over the next five years. But um, I also don't really want to have to box past, 35, 36. You know, I want to be able to make as much money as possible and have have some big fights and then kind of just go out on my own terms. Um, but yeah, I'm still like totally in it. I haven't peaked as an athlete and still a ton I want to accomplish, but definitely don't want to be fighting into my late 30s. I want to be able to accomplish what I want to get done and do it soon. I'm ready for the big fights. Like I'm, I feel like now my career is like that transitional time where like the big fights are coming and that the big fights only. 
Now you mentioned, you know, the end, which is obviously not not soon, but you've thought, about, you know, you don't want to fight into your late 30s. And I recently listened to a, uh, it's actually really good, I recommend it, uh, an interview between Mike Tyson on his podcast and uh, Clarissa Shields. And she mentioned that, you know, she's thinking of maybe in a couple years, you know, having a kid and then being able to still come back and do another two or three years. You know, she has a sentimental uh, other. You have one as well. You mentioned earlier. Has that crossed your mind, you know, maybe taking a year, year and a half break to have a child and then coming back? Or, never. or that that's something for after? Never. I would never do that. I, I don't. If I were to, like, that's why Coach always tells me, if you're going to, like, every time I leave him, he's like, you know, the golden rule, don't get pregnant. Because where I'm in, <laughs> I'm in position right now, if I were to stop and have a kid and take a year, a year and a half off, to me, it would be too hard to get, to get back to where I am. I would lose the momentum, and it's just not something that I would be willing to do. Like, my career comes first to me, and I'm okay with that. I never wanted kids young anyway. I never did. Like, if I do have kids, I wouldn't want them till my late 30s, like 35, 36, 37. I like that's that's when I feel like okay, um, I'm done being selfish. I can focus on my family versus like and with no regrets of like okay, I did what I want to do. I chased my dreams. I'm financially stable now. I can kind of make that decision. But I never wanted kids young, so it wasn't really it's not really a sacrifice for me. Okay. Now you mentioned Mr. Al, my coach Al, and you mentioned that the biggest advice that you could give uh, somebody that's up and coming is to find a good coach. You haven't been with Coach Al since the beginning. So without naming any names, what are the things that you kind of encountered in the gyms where you're coming up that you were like, like you couldn't just believe that the coach was asking you to do certain things, maybe something you already knew, maybe he was underestimating you, something that comes pops up in your mind that, you know, kind of told you this is not the coach for me. Um, well, I, okay, a couple of things. One, one of my first coaches is great guy. Definitely took me under his wing. He was more, he was a kickboxing coach. So he didn't know the footwork for boxing. And I guess I was young and I didn't know either, but I knew there was something missing. I knew I wasn't, there was just something in me that knew that, um, I wasn't, there was, there was, he wasn't the one to be able to take me to the level I wanted to go to. I had another coach that basically just told me, drop your hands. He wanted me to fight with my hands completely dropped. Like, hmm. and he just thought I could keep everybody out. Another coach thought I could keep everybody out. Also, you didn't, didn't have any desire to teach me how to fight on the inside because they said, you're tall, you're long, that's all you need is your jab. But you know, that's not, you need to be able to fight in all areas of the ring. You need to be able to, just in case some, one day someone's going to be able to close that distance. So little things like that, or someone who was like, yeah, yeah, you're doing great. You're doing great. I'm like, no, I'm fucking not doing great. What are you talking about? Like, I know that I did something wrong in that round just now. And you're just going to say, oh, I'm doing great. No, something's wrong with you. So now I like that coach that was constantly on my ass. Like, I like that he's constantly pushing me, constantly telling me what I'm doing wrong, what I can do better. Like, not a yes man, not gassing me up, not making my head big, keeping me humble and keeping me working hard. Wow, that's good. That's a good answer. And, you know, and that's I think something that people look for is is somebody that's gonna keep pushing you and pushing you and pushing you. Now, on your social media, mostly on Twitter, I, I was following on both. On Twitter, you really kind of express yourself, and, and we see your your personality, and you really went hard 
on Shannon Courtney and the reason that she gave for not making weight and the fact that, you know, she, she went, she, she was all made up at the weigh-in. You mentioned that if it was you, you would have been at to the last minute trying to make that weight. Do you, mm-hmm. do you take that, the fact that she didn't make weight and she was all made up and everything, do you kind of take it as like, I don't want to say like personal, but like a kind of like a, like an insult that, that these other women that are getting these big platforms and stuff are do not take it as serious as maybe you do it and other fighters that feel the same way you about that subject? Yeah, it's kind of like, who do you think you are? And especially when she went off on Ebony Bridges for like, oh, you're not taking the sport seriously and you just want to flaunt your body. It's like blah, blah, blah. And here she goes in, she wins one world title and she just like thinks that that's it. She thinks that she, that she's like on cloud nine, the best feeling in the world, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, the hard work doesn't end there. That's where the, that's where it gets hard. And so to come out and to, to use a menstrual cycle excuse, I mean, don't, don't ruin that for people who actually do have to struggle with that because it can become an issue. If you're not on weight the day before, and if you're on weight the day before, you don't just magically wake up six pounds over, which I heard she was six pounds over she woke up um, because you start your cycle. That's just not how it works. Like, it could help, you could retain some water, but that's just not how it works. So that was a bullshit excuse. I've been close to making weight before, and I've, where I've had to, like, really hustle off those last few ounces, and I did not have time to do my makeup. And I was pissed about it when the photos came out. I was like, God damn it, whatever, it was like shit. But, oh, well, what am I going to do? Making weight is most important. And then you get two hours if you don't, if you're not on, and she turned it down. So I'm just like, okay. And then she thinks she won the fight, and then she's demands this rematch she doesn't even deserve a rematch the fight wasn't even close she laid against the ropes the entire time so there's i just don't like a lot of things about that girl and i think that she just needs to be canceled wow <laughs> there you go um my last i got two two last questions and they have to do with your uh, next appointment of my douche you mentioned um that you know she's pretty come forward style you know you kind of know what to do um, she comes forward, she throws a lot of punches, she tries to overwhelm you, you're very confident that she's not going to be able to do that against you. But without revealing anything from your game plan, did you actually, you and Mr. Coach uh, out worked on something specific to her or not? Um, yeah. Well, we, we, we study her. We know he picks part film. We know what she likes to do. Um, we know the combinations that she throws. Um, she doesn't have much of a jab at all. She doesn't really use her jab, which is not going to be good for her. You know, um, she's short. She's very short, but she, she has a good right hand and she follows up with her hooks and she does that with everybody. So, um, we know what to expect and, you know, yeah, we've obviously worked on a few specific things without giving away too much. There's a small example. And now you mentioned that there's really no need for a plan B, C or D with her because she pretty much does the same thing coming forward. For what fighter in your pro career have you had to have a plan B, C, and D just in case they switched it up? Um, we always do. Coach Al always likes to because you never know. Um, the The plan A is the original plan after setting tape is what he thinks that we should do. Then there's a plan B in case they, for some reason, switch up and start doing something that we didn't expect you know like maybe we thought they were a comer and then they start to box and move so that's the plan b and the plan c is dog it out you just got to fight her you got to take it to her step to her and fight 
And so that's his kind of his his method going into a fight. A, B, and C. But the C is always take it to her. Well, there you have it. We clocked it in at 30 minutes, Michaela. So we thank you for being here with us. We want you to get some rest and get ready for your fight on November 5th. And we'll be all be watching on ESPN. We wish you all the luck in the world. And obviously, it won't be the last time you're here with us on the two-minute round. Cool. Yes, thanks for having me. Can't wait to be back. Tune in November 5th. It's going to be a good one. Go. All right. Go. Thank you. <laughs> okay, bye, guys. Have a good night. Thank you. Have bye a good bye. night. You too. Bye. And there you have it, folks, the current WBO Great. super featherweight champion, Miss Michaela Mayer, having a little bit of an issue here with the system. I can't see the calls, but um, but that, that's fine because she, she ended up hauling, uh, hanging up. So there you have it, folks. Um, other than that, there really hasn't been um, much fight chatter in the last couple of weeks. I mean, nothing that's newsworthy as far as like just like some fights being announced um, for later in the year, like uh, um uh, Lupe mentioned in the interview with Michaela the the fight between Terry Harper and Alicia Baumgartner from the United States. That's going to be on November 13th out there in Sheffield, England. Um, and then the rest of them are actually on our calendar. Our next show is actually scheduled in three weeks on November 4th um, because in two weeks I will be out of town, so I won't be able to do it. So our next show is November 4th. So we have the upcoming calendar for the next three weeks. Before we go to that, Lupe, your thoughts on anything that uh, Michaela stated in, in this interview? I like how she's just straight out about the fighters when you ask her. It, it, she, she really knows not just her, her what she has to do. She knows more about the sport in every aspect. I really love that about her. David? I'm trying to think because I really like <laughs> love that she said. Yeah, I agree with uh, what Lupi said. She's a total fighter, and she's uh, not only just uh, physically invested, but she's mentally invested, and that's what it takes to be a champion. you got to do it all. Think of everything. Um, can't leave no stone unturned. I really like – And she's, I really like – go ahead, Lupi. No, go ahead. I was going to say, like she said, she was at the Olympic Training Center, so she's always around all the girls, the Olympians on down. It's just – they're all blessed to have her around. There's so much to look at and to learn from. It says a lot for the next generation coming under her. I really like her matureness. She's very mature. She knows what works, what hasn't worked in the past, what was working now. The confidence mm-hmm. that she has in Coach Al, you know, I mean, and I think that's something that is very valuable in their relationship. And I think that, like you mentioned, Lupi, like what, like what, female fighters that encounter her can look up to her for because I don't think and David I don't I think you might agree with this as well is that once you have that coach that you feel totally 100% confident in and you have the confidence then you can kind of shut off the brain in a little in a little in a certain aspect and then you just do what they ask you to do and if you are 100% confident in what they're telling you is going to work and you shut it out down and you go into that ring and you do exactly what they're asking you to do, then you're going to be okay. And I think that's what Michaela Mayer finds in Coach Al is that she trusts him 100%, never doubts, and just goes out there and executes what they worked on and what he tells her in that corner. 
and then she is confident that if she does it exactly how he asks, she's going to win. Do you feel that is is a, is something uh, for me to say, David, that it's right for me to say that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that the fact that, you know, she's a smart fighter too, and she trusts him so much that, you know, if she feels something, she can ask him, and he's she's confident that he's going to give her the right answer. And it, they'll probably agree anyway uh, on the uh, on the on the answer. And um, you know that's that's two brains instead of one. You know, and it, yeah. it works better that way. You know, because we've all been around gyms and we talk to fighters, and sometimes you get to to a certain point with a certain fighter, and you gain their confidence, and and you have a you have good conversations. And there's some times that fighters have confessed to me that they don't. They don't feel like 100% confident in their trainer, but it's because it's convenient. You know, it's close to their home. It's in the same city. That's who their manager wants them to train with. Um, for whatever reason, they, they, there's nobody else that they can feel more comfortable with in the same city, et cetera, et cetera. And when there's that little seed of doubt there, that could be a problem. So when you're – like Michaela and you're a hundred percent confident in that trainer, I think you're really you're 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 levels above other fighters, I believe, mm-hmm. you know. So so I think that's a great point that, that we saw in this in this interview with her and the way that she believes in, in Coach Al and it's not the first time. She always mentions it, you know, mm-hmm. Coach Al the way that she feels with, about him and she's even tattooed his initial on her hand and, and all that. So mm-hmm. moving on to upcoming calendar Friday, October 15th from Tokyo, we have Mika Iwakawa uh, facing Nane. I love uh, Japanese names. Nane Suzuki in a 10-rounder at 112, at two pounds, Adam weight for the WBO title. And actually, this is one of those marathon female bouts, I mean, fight cards, where there's seven more female bouts on this card on in Tokyo on Friday, actually tomorrow, October 15th. Actually, it's probably going on right now for all we know. Mika I, Iwakawa. I, I, I just... Excuse me, but uh, I just heard that that fight was canceled. Mm. Uh, that Iwakawa uh, suffered an injury, and that fight oh, was canceled. Yeah. Oh wow! And so is that fight card still going on? Because there's other seven yeah, fights. Yeah, the on fight there. card is still going on, but not the title fight, not the world title oh. fight. Oh, well, there you go. Well, I mean, that's good to hear that even those other females still got their opportunity to face off. Saturday, October 16th, from Mexico City, the current interim WBC. Super flyweight champion Sonia Osorio is going to be facing Angela Nolasco in a non-title bout. And in Cancun, Mexico, the full-fledged WBC light flyweight champion Yesenia Gomez is going to be facing in a non-title eight-rounder against Itzayana Cruz in an eight-rounder, like I mentioned. And it was announced that I believe it's November. Is it November, Lupi? I'm not 100% sure. It's November. Gomez is going to be traveling to Canada to defend her title against Kim Clavel, so this is a little bit of a warm up for her. She hasn't fought. Wow. She hasn't fought in a couple in a couple years, and that's one of the fights that were announced. I thought this fight wasn't going to go down, but it is going down. There was actually a press conference today, and it was mentioned wow. in the press conference. So she's going to be facing uh, Itzayana Cruz in an eight rounder, and then if the plan goes, if everything goes as planned, I think she's traveling to Canada um, next month to face off Kim Clavel up there so wow wow yeah, that we'll is 
Was the press conference for Yesenia and Clavel today, or? No, this was for the You're fight that's happening. You're talking about and Yesenia. Okay. Yeah, and actually this fight, I think it's going to be broadcast on ESPN+. Plus. Um, this oh. Yesenia, the whole card from, well, not the whole card, but I think about five fights from uh, from Cancun, where the fight is being held, are going to be broadcast. And I saw something today that this fight was mentioned as one that was going to be broadcast, so we get to see Yesenia Gomez on um, on Saturday night from Cancun on ESPN Plus if you have the application. Also, Hi. on Saturday, October 16th, from Newcastle, uh, United Kingdom, England, Savannah Marshall will be defending her 160-pound WBO uh, ten round, uh, ten uh, over ten rounds against undefeated Lolita Museya, and this is to be believed to be the precursor to her facing off against Clarissa Shields in the new future. Now, this is under a promoter called Boxer, which is the one that Clarissa Shields also signed to in the um, in the UK. But I'm not 100% sure if this fight is going to be broadcast in the United States. I didn't see if it's going to go on ESPN, which I doubt. I haven't seen anything like that. And I think it's not the zone. zone. Yeah, we're going to have to check on that because it's going to be in Sky in the UK. So we'll see if it comes up on the zone. But, yeah, I want to see this fight. Lolita Muzea undefeated 16-0, but unheralded. Hasn't really fought anybody. We'll see what uh, Savannah Marshall does against her on Wednesday, October 20th from Hermosillo, Mexico on ESPN Deportes in Latin America. Sulem Morbina comes off her loss against Naoke Fujioka some months ago. She looks to get back in the winning circle against Tania Itzel Garcia in an eight-rounder at 112 pounds. And on Saturday, October 23rd from Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, Erika Cruz. This should be on the zone as well because the zone uh, is broadcasting from Mexico um, and they recently signed Erika Cruz Hernandez, the current WBO 130-pound champion. She's going to be defending against Melissa Esquivel. That's going to be on Saturday, October 23rd from Puerto Vallarta. And in South Korea, on the same day, Exuso Tada, the Japanese 105-pound WBO champion, is going to be um, defending against v- Vietnamese Tiu. T. Tung Yungin. Yungin. I don't know how to pronounce that. Nguyen. I mean, I think it's a pretty Nguyen. Yeah, it's a pretty common uh, Vietnamese name. It's like Garcia in Spanish or Smith in English, <laughs> but I can't pronounce it. And it's kind of interesting. <laughs> it's kind of interesting that a Japanese fighter and a Vietnamese fighter are going to be fighting in South Korea. So that's pretty interesting. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's going to be defending uh, her WBO 105 pound title from Tampa, Florida. On Fight TV, we see the return. We haven't heard about her in quite a while, but I did see this on the schedule. Rosalinda Rodriguez will be facing the perennial uh, veteran journey woman, Elina Kiss, in an eight-rounder at 122 pounds. And Logan Holler will be facing Sonia Drelling in a six-rounder at 160 pounds. And lastly, Saturday, October 30th, something that we all have been looking forward to, and it's the beginning of that tournament. From London, England, on the zone, Chantel Cameron will be facing Mary McGee from the United States at 140 pounds for the WBC and IBF world title. So we're going to have a unified champ after that fight. And then um, Kelly Reese and Jessica Camara are going to be facing for the vacant WBO and um, WBA titles. The winners of those fights 
are going to face, the winner of that fight is going to face the winner of Chantel Cameron and Mary McGee. So this is it. This is it. This is going to be the start of that tournament on Saturday, October 30th, one day prior Halloween. And that is your fight calendar for the next three weeks. Our next show is scheduled for November 4th. Other than that, anything, any closing arguments, Lupi? No. Um, oh, you can add uh, to the fight, uh, WBC Super Welterweight, Iwa Piatowska is going to be in a slut fight next weekend. Oh, well, yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> and before we go, Lupi, just to mention real quick, because we're not going to be back until after, and we're going to expect a full report from you, but we're going to be able to catch the Bruderberg Brawlers yearly two-day mega tournament happening October 30th and 31st. Oh, yeah. Is it going to be on Facebook? But go ahead and give yeah. the info. We're going to go, so um, Halloween weekend, October 30th and 31st, Saturday and Sunday, 12 noon start on Saturday, probably 11 on Sunday. We're going to Facebook Live. So check us out on Beautiful Brawlers Facebook and Boxing Beauty Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to go live and hope everything goes well because we just want to get it out there. We want everyone to see what this is all about, you know, so we just want to put it out. So hopefully it all goes well and we can go live. Yep, there you have it, folks. We have on over the beautiful brothers. We have over yeah, two, we have a hundred rings, right? Exactly. Two, two rings. rings? Hi, well, two man, rings. you guys are like NBC, CNN over there. Because how are you going to broadcast two rings on Facebook? <sighs> so. I don't know if you're going to have to put, like, Beautiful Brawlers Facebook on one ring and the yeah, Beauty gonna, of Boxing Facebook have, on another ring. We're going to have and to then, do something like that. So yeah. just keep yeah, putting it out. Yeah. Oh, but man. you could do that because I have two I screens. So. so I have two screens. So if I open up two Facebooks, I could have one on one screen and one on the other, and I could be watching two fights. So that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, as long as we get it out there. We just want everyone to see what it's all about. It's going to be incredible. Yeah. So we're going to have a full a report on that on our next show, November 4th. All the fights are, are, are uh, matched already? They're all pre-matched. They'll be about 46 on the first day and about 18 on the second. From eight wow. years old to, I don't know, nobody too older, too old this time. What kind of I mean, food are you going to have there? Did you guys get like a, like a, a food trucks or are you going to have somebody selling no, hot dogs? We, last, time we did, last time we got this... Uh, this Jamaican jerk guy, but this time it's at oh. my sister's gym, God willing, and they have a pizza place, a Chinese place, a deli, a little market, so it's all taken care of this time. Amen. Awesome, awesome. We what don't have to worry about the food. David, any closing arguments before we go? No, no, but that sounds like a really great tournament. I'm really looking forward to watching it. Yeah, we're going to be okay. watching it, and then we already committed. David committed, I committed for 2022. We're going to be there. We're going to go. I'm going to I'm gonna uh, pencil it Definitely. in and ink in my uh, in my calendar. So with that said, uh, we thank everybody for listening. We thank Michaela Mayer for being with us and taking the time. Until November fourth, this is the two minute round. Your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. <laughs>